This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me tonight are Richard Hawes. Hello, everybody. And Stephen Lockridge. Hello. This week, we are covering Ankle Biters, Habit, our short shot is Ghostbusters Southside, and our DTV throwback is Flight 7500. That sound weird? <laughs> Flight 7500. There you go. Um, yeah, so let's crack on. Our first review then is Ankle Biters. Ex-hockey player Sean Chase is about to take the plunge and propose to his girlfriend Laura and become a stepdad to her four young daughters. However, when the children witness the pair having kinky sex, they believe their mum is being attacked and hatch a plan to kill Sean to protect her. Right, that's a mouthful. Um, this is a sort of quirky... I didn't find a lot of comedy in this, really. I'd say, I'd say it's a quirky horror. Um, it has some sort of interesting ideas, but uh, Rich, I'm going to throw this over to you because I think you were rather put off by the opening track um, for this film. Uh, do you want to comment on that and then we throw it over to Steve? Yeah, sure. I wouldn't, not so much put off as sort of perplexed and, you know, I, feeling that perhaps it was a pretty either. I, I see. I'm not sure whether they were trying to be provocative in mm. that particular selection, or they were just really thoughtless. Because the the tune they use is uh, "Rock and Roll Part Two by the Glitter Band, mm. and the film does have a hockey theme, as you as you mentioned that one of the central characters is a hockey player, and that tune is sort of in tied up you know with that sport you know it's like an anthem tune that plays when somebody gets a goal and stuff like that and uh but this is a film about four little girls know. you know who fit yeah. who fit the profile of one of the most notorious pedophiles in uh yeah. in you know in popular culture twice so, convicted pedophile yeah. Gary and yeah. it probably carries more weight here than it probably does in Canada where the film was made or you yes. know um but yeah it, it kind of does sort of stick in the throat a bit you know here we have a film about sex about girls and you know their their misunderstanding of what sex is mm. and yeah, and then you know this this song by a notorious sex offender. Um, well, and then there's also the teenage sort of. You oh know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Girl the, the the yeah. yeah. You know, so it's all it's all tied together in, in a really uncomfortable way. Yeah, and it's like, well, were, were, yeah, did they think this was funny in 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 that regard? It's 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 very strange. Anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah. so Steve, did you? <laughs> pick up on that when you watched it yeah i mean yeah it was there uh you couldn't miss it really could you um i know where you're coming from uh, it, i think it's a bit of both i think they've used it because of the hockey thing and i think yeah fuck it we'll just chuck it in because of the connotations as well there must have I been a conversation somewhere along the road yeah there's got to be i mean it was like when it when they're using the joker as well hmm. 
you know, it was the same same kind of conversation, obviously on a hell of a bigger scale, not just us talking about it, but you know what I mean? Everyone was talking about it. Mm. And but at least in that case, it was, you know, there weren't any ki- there weren't even any kids in that movie or anything. It was yeah, like yeah, exactly. I think I mean there's a flip side to that, in which case you could say if if he is still getting royalties from this song. No, he's not. He's not. Okay. Well, if he's he was not, he would have got a lot from Joker, but he's probably not going to get much from this. But the no, no, no. he's not. Okay. Apparently, yeah. I think the guitarist is the only one who's still getting royalties from mm-hmm. him, from what I remember reading when Joker was out. Well, that's the he other thing I kind of think, anything. well, you know, why should the rest of the band be penalised necessarily? Yeah, yeah exactly. One person's yeah. So if, if the other guys get the, you know, that's fair enough and stuff. But anyway, you know, still mm-hmm. unfortunate connotations. Mm. Indeed, but onto onto the film itself, Steve. How, how did you uh, how do you find this one? You know, what? I, I actually really enjoyed this. Um, I kind of wasn't expecting to just for that first couple of minutes. Obviously, you've got your biggest bugbear media res at the beginning, mm-hmm. and but I did enjoy it. The only thing it, what got me is I felt really sorry for the guy. Yeah, exactly. Because, <laughs> you know, he's, 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 he's actually a really nice guy. He's, you know, he's friends oh, with when he's gouging people's eyes out. <laughs> well, apart from that, you know, but that's part of... Past. Stop, stop, stop hanging on to the, the past. past. That's an anger issue. Yeah, exactly. That's an anger issue. Issues with the hockey, the ice hockey. You know, yeah. violence is a part of the game, he said, but... Yeah, he's just such a lovely guy. He's trying to do the best for his missus and... You know, like everyone says, he's crazy for second on these four girls or whatever. And in a way, they are right, but not in <laughs> not in the, <laughs> not the way they thought. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, you know, really well shot. Some of the scenes on the lake are really, really beautiful. And it's, it's one of them that doesn't try to outstretch its budget. Mm. You know, that some some kind of do it. You know, it's obviously it's not. A, a massive budget, but everything they do is well in, well in with it. And I thought the script was quite sharp. Even the girls, sometimes you know, especially you get a group of kids, they can be quite annoying in films like that. But I thought that actually the girls are kind of sweet as well. And um, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. It's it is an interesting one, um, and and you know that central idea of you know these these prepubescent girls not knowing anything about sex at all and you know being highly suspicious about this guy wanting to be their stepdad and then making mm. the discovery you know and it doesn't doesn't kind of help that, that they're both into a bit of SM and you know and, and so so the sex is a bit rough and they records it and they they watch the video and and it 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 would look incredibly scary you know it, it mm. absolutely would so so they they nail that totally right um well, it's more that it starts off you know a bit more insidiously with the you know noticing the bruises yes that's right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and she's sort of laughing it off and, yeah and, and, but, but you can understand why they would be mm. uh, you know, yeah exactly yeah. perturbed yeah but um yes yeah, so, so, and, and again it's like you know their thought processes that you know um when, when when the things happen to the babysitter, for example, it's like mm. you know they, they don't think things through; they just 
do stuff if he's hearing and and fortune seems to sort of like um you know it's bestowed upon them so you know they, they have a lot of luck basically in a lot of what happens um yeah but yeah but we said that in the in a way who'd believe them well, exactly. Believe that that's you know. It, it... Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, in fact, there is that bit, isn't there, when the sheriff turns up and he's sort of going, "Did Sean tell you to say that?" You know, it's like, yeah, yeah. exactly. You know, and 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 unfortunately, you know, the the the, the, um, the unfortunate series of events which befall Sean when he's looking for the babysitter sets him up as you know as, as a prime suspect straight away yeah. as well it's, it's just very very well done you know um yeah. i have to admit um yeah this, this was pretty smart overall i think um rich yeah i liked i i did like it a lot actually the um it's we've seen movies about killer kids before and mm. there was a film called the children a few years ago there's i think like children mm shouldn't play with dead things a long time ago yep. lots of variations i watched the macaulay culkin one this weekend the good the son, good son yeah. and Ooh. uh yeah so there's lots of variations in what's kind of different about this one is that is that innocence and naivety mm. of yeah. the girl. They're, they're not malicious they're, they're, they're not like been ta- overtaken by an evil force or or anything it's just kind of a circumstantial thing you know it's, mm. it's um the the sort of kinky sex games thing angle is I think a really interesting one that that's probably, I don't think I've seen, you know, a film sort of explore that not, not kinky sex, but you know, like the, yeah. the, the children and the thing and the, the way it unfolds. I thought it was quite original in that, in that respect. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so that had a lot going for it. The girls are not great actresses. Uh, you know, that's, mm. it's not, it, it's, you know, with not more Cooley Culkin or anything or Elijah Wood or anything, you know, it's like, a, it's yeah. very, it's a bit stilted some of the stuff uh, and some because they've got them doing some pretty nasty stuff but they try they try to cover it up by you know you know just sort of uh, using doubles or showing angles and whatever so they're not actually being the ones holding a knife or or whatever mm. uh, and they i think they cover that fairly reasonably well there's some nice um some really nice visual effects and moments and stuff that happen in it, sort of practical stuff. I mean, that bit where the girl gets kicked at the yeah. end, <laughs> I was just like, whoa! <laughs> I was just yeah. laughing. It was such a good moment. Um, and I think the film's got a few of those. The the hockey stuff that sort of sets up him as a violent mm. character initially, uh, you know, that's all quite gross. Um, uh, but as you say, it's quite clever in that, you know, he's not... He is an all right bloke, you know. It's not, yeah. it's, it, into some stuff, and uh, you know, and a bit aggressive, you know, in the workplace environment uh, on the mm-hmm. on the on the ice and stuff. But uh, he kind of, you know, what he, he kind of reminded me of um, Ben Affleck in uh, Gone Girl. You know, he, he's yeah. a, he, he's this sort of guy who, you know, through through no real fault of his own, is is ended up in this really shitty situation, uh, and. Even though we we kind of know that he's innocent, but at the same time, no one believes him at all. You know, mm. it's um, is yeah, that's that sort of character. Quite liked it. Couple I don't know if things. you noticed the guy. I don't know if you noticed the um, one of the. I think he was like the the head of the police, or something. Mm. I don't know. If, I don't think he was the sheriff, but he he was like keeper. But it was um, uh, Colin Mockery. Colin Mockery from whose line is it anyway? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so yeah. that was pretty cool because I haven't really seen him acting. Yeah. He's playing it really straight. He's not. A, he's not. A, it's not a comedic role, really. Mm. Although there is a. There's, you know, it's a dark comedy, so there's some yeah. dark, you know, he's like looking at the pictures and go, oh, it's naughty, it's sorted, it's twisty, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> and uh, th- there is comedy that comes out of his views on what's going on and stuff. But uh, but a lot of it's, yeah, yeah dark humour. I mean, the mm. stuff with the the apple and the pin and stuff is all Ooh, nasty, pretty yeah. horrific. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah, Sorry. I don't know. I, I I didn't didn't really sort of see too much of the humor in it, you know, dark or otherwise. So I, I thought it was quirky more than anything else. Mm-hmm. But there you go. Um, the film okay. ends. Okay, okay, uh, uh, right. You're talking about go talking about the ending. Jump into the ending. Okay, just... so a guy writes a book, right? Hmm. Within a month, it's published within a month. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I kind of imagine that you know for for that sort of sensationalist thing you know you have to hit the zeitgeist don't you you know so yeah so it's quite possible that there's some um you know sh- shady publisher ready to sort of like you know churn out a book as quickly as possible you know <laughs> ghost ghost written and all the rest of it but, um yeah i just want um the film ends with a, a title card saying there's going to be a sequel yeah. which is bizarre i don't think in how? I think that's a, I think that's a joke. I don't it think could be, it could yeah. be a joke. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it, what was it? Son of Cherry Picker. Son of Cherry Picker. Yeah. But the original title was Cherry Picker, I thought, I think I, which is what I was going to say. So, yeah. do either of you understand why it was called Cherry Picker in the first place? Because I haven't a clue. I can't. I can't see where that comes into proceedings. Well, at the beginning, um, they mentioned it's the Cherry Picker Murders, and I'm not sure if it's, like, the name of the town or the, the name of the... No, it's not. It's not the name of the town. Hmm. No? No. I'll be honest. Is it another sort of way of saying jailbait, maybe? You know, because it, it sort of centres around the, the babysitter. I don't know. It's bizarre, isn't it? Mm, maybe. Yeah, Maybe. maybe. Strange. I don't know. It's lost, lost on me uh, entirely. Uh, so I think the change to the title "Ankle Biters," although it fits better and still, it makes it, yeah, it makes it, it sound, you know, um, it it makes it sound like a horror comedy. But yeah, but, I mean, there was already a horror comedy called "Ankle Biters." I think a few that's years right. ago. That's right. Yeah, there was. Yeah. yeah. But uh, the yeah, I mean, it's got that implied thing about you know kids and there's hmm. biting. That implication of sort of playful violence kind of thing. So, so I think that title does fit. Yeah. Um, yeah. It plays down the sort of sordid angles, that's for sure. Okay. Uh, any, any more on this one? Uh, just to say, I wasn't a fan of the score. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, I thought all the say, I think I think the climax in it, because it's quite a short film, if I recall correctly. Mm. I think the the mm. way it unfolds is all brilliant. I I do think all the stuff with the babysitter kind of jumped the shark. Mm. I don't think that... I think it kind of went too far at that point, that it was just... I think they should have maintained the focus on the, yeah. cent- on the, on the central characters and what was happening there. So uh, sort of bringing an innocent victim sort of into it. And mm. I know that sort of played into how things would unfold at the end. But I just thought that m- was... It didn't quite fit. It was a, seemed a yeah. bit of a step too far. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I did really enjoy the the way things you know un, you know yeah uh, around the uh, was mm. it the, uh, it's like a sauna uh, thing uh, the way yeah. it, that that part happens so yeah so I did like it overall I thought it, I thought it was really good really novel really interesting cool scores on the doors then Steve I'm going to give it a seven mm-hmm. and Rich yeah. yeah high seven from me yeah I'm going to join you on a seven as well it's it's borderline six but a seven for me so that's three sevens for ankle biters go check it out our next review is habit mads addy and evie are three party girls who get mixed up in a drug deal gone bad with a homicidal drug queen on their tail, the trio pretend to be nuns, sending Mad's fixation on Jesus into overdrive. Um, very, I mean, you know, I called ankle biters quirky. This is, it's, it's sort of perky, quirky on a sort of punk rock kind of level. Shite. Is that what you reckon? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Well, no, well, well please elucidate, uh, Steve. Um, over to you. Um, it, I just didn't get on with this at all. It really annoyed me. It was kind of like, you know, when Pulp Fiction came out and everyone tried writing scripts that were like Tarantino, S yep. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It it kind of reminded me of that. Um, just not good at all. I thought the only... I like Bella Fawn. I thought she was quite good in it. Mm-hmm. Um, everybody else was dog shit. Um, Gavin Rosdale, Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'm not being fun. I mean, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm a big fan of his music, but some of the tracks are like and Bush. And what well, what is he doing in this? What he, he's he's terrible. I've seen better acting off Keanu Reeves. You know. Also, the the other two girls I thought were awful. Like the scene where the money goes missing. Yeah. And. I don't know what it's because they're supposed to be hungover or on a come down or whatever, but terrible. The what's it, is it Queenie? Yeah. The most annoying bastard character I've seen for a long while. And no, nah, I just didn't go on with this at all. Even like the you know, the quirky flashbacks and you know, showing the <clears throat> the knife throwing from like the twenties or, or whatever. It no. Nah. Didn't get on with this at all. Thought it was terrible. Oh, very interesting. Uh, Rich, over to you. Uh, well, I didn't dislike it as much as Steve, but I didn't re- really like it. I, I, I wanted to because I kind of like the sort of quirky, sort of you're not you're not sure when it's set, sort of timeless kind of feel that they were going for. I think it was supposed to be sort of. 70s 80s or some or, or something anyway but the you know it's all shot quite interestingly um yeah the you know it's as steve said it's got that tarantino thing going on but it's also it's kind of crossed with john waters kind of feels like a john waters film quite a lot mm. in certain respects mm. um and yeah gavin rossdale is uh quite liked him but yeah he's, he's it's not the best performance i mean he's not an actor is he so generally uh so that was quite well 
Again, that's the thing. I don't think any of them are, really. Well, I think, I mean, um, I think the majority, I mean, we've got Ioni Sky in there and um, the, uh, the Bella Thorne, obviously. I mean, so I'll put this in context. Before I watched this, I did like a Bella Thorne marathon. I watched like four other films of hers before watching mm. this one. And this was one of the ones I liked the least, unfortunately. I was, I was sort yeah. of working up to it. And uh, it just didn't pay off, unfortunately. There was a couple of others that I watched with her, which was, um, I'll tell you the films I watched. I watched one called Masquerade, because funnily enough, that came on Sky the same week, the same day, actually, that I was going to watch these films. So there's Masquerade, which is very low budget, but it's got quite an interesting twist. Uh, there was one called Ride, which was pretty good. Bit of, bit of a collateral kind of thing, that one, where she's a supporting character. Uh, there was Infamous, which is a natural born killers ish kind of thing but the where the emphasis is on her her main character so you know lovers on the run kind of thing but you don't normally see it from the from a female character perspective so i quite like that was really good actually very stylish and there was a, a sort of post-apocalyptic sort of horror ish kind of one called i still see you which i was very impressed by and then i watched this and it was kind of you know it's edgy and, you know there's lots of swearing there's lots of you know it's you know lots of blasphemy obviously and it just wasn't for me unfortunately hmm. mm. i've got notes <laughs> i there's there's a lot of this I, I did kind of like i like the aesthetic of it i like the way it was shot i like the way it was edited um there, there's one particular bit where uh, when they go to this nightclub um, and, I, and I really, really want to go to that nightclub. Um, but the music was um, The Chauffeur by Duran Duran, which, which really sort of like, um, you know, made me favour this film a little bit more. What took me out of the film is Queenie. Mm. Um, because... Is that Josie Ho? Yeah. yeah. The thing is, yeah. I, I, did, I didn't mind the character as such. It's just this. This is where the the, the script felt really fell down for me, and I, we we I mentioned this when we talked about that trilogy of British gangster films, you know, original gangster yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where yeah. you've got, you know, it's like these these bad guys. Do they stand in front of a mirror and practice their monologues? Mm. It's like it's like in order to be a bad guy, you have to have a monologue so you can appear even more scary. You know, where you're sort of talking about something which has nothing to do with what's actually happening at the moment. And then he's sort of like going to switch and sort of segue into the moment, you know. So she's going on about this thing about, oh, do you know this particular sort of scorpion wasp does this horrible shit to somebody, you know. And she's got it all memorised. It's like the most annoying thing. It's like all these drug dealers, do they do do they have these, you know, and assassins and people, do they have these speeches prepared? And do they practice them so that when they have to deliver them, that you know, they get the right cadence or the right nuance sort of menace? And that's what really sort of threw me about this. It took it took me right out of the film. I was like, oh, here we go again, you know. And, and not only that, but her henchman. The guy dressed as a cowboy, not not a, a proper cowboy, a Roy, a Roy Rogers 1950s serial kind of cowboy. But another another English character. Another English character, but it's like yeah, it's like. But once again, not yeah. an actor, a musician. It's yeah. Kate Moss's husband. But oh, it's it? like yeah, but it's like you know this, this guy has made this guy has made an informed 
decision to dress in this way. It's like, well, I, I, I'm a sort of like, you know, I'm, I'm an assassin kind of dude. I'm going to make sure that everyone knows exactly who I am because I'm going to dress like a dipshit and everyone's going to be too scared to mention it. And it's like, well... They, he kind of reminded me of, I know it's slightly different, but Stephen Burkhoff in Steel. Yes. Where he's playing that exaggerated mm. teddy boy kind of hit yeah. man uh, character. Like the Southern accent. Yeah. All that sort of shit. Yeah, it's like... An accent in that it's way. like surely you know you, you're playing larger than life you know if, if you were really that person you know this this killer or whatever you know you would know that you're you're playing a role you're this sort of flamboyant sort of thing and it just doesn't feel real at all you know and that sort of pushes it into the you know beyond um tarantino i think tarantino yeah. knows where to take it you know where the line is to take it up to yeah, Without well, that's what I mean about the sort, of, sort of the John Waters thing because this this is like cartoonish exaggeration, yeah. very yeah. exaggerated sort of fantastical. I mean, the nuns would get you know when they're dressed as nuns and they're out collecting or whatever, they would get you know identified as connoisseurs in like five oh, seconds. They're like they're like mm. you know, saying really inappropriate things and wearing you know they've got these like really obvious like trainers and stuff on, mm. and then they're going to meet the they're going well. to. Knee-high boots. None of, be, none of it would fly yeah. in real life at all. It's just a, it's complete sort of flight fantasy, you know. Yeah. So there's bits of this I did like. I, I didn't mind all this sort of the black and white footage and stuff. I like the way it was it, it spliced into her sort of dream state and things. I, I even like Jesus turning up. Um, Played by Michael Jackson's daughter, apparently. Yeah. Okay. Paris Jackson. <laughs> Interesting. So, so there's definitely things to like here, but um, you know, from a script writing point of view, I think it's like you know, it's back to the drawing board uh, for a lot of it. I think that you know, there's some interesting things with the characters. I mean, of all the stupid things to do, going to that club when you know that Queenie's after you. I mean, how stupid is that? Really, is is a complete, mm. complete plot contrivance. You know, oh, you know, we're wanted people for, you know, let's go to the one place everyone knows we go to. It's it's stupid. But there you go. Um, they are supposed to be pretty foolish yeah. or stupid characters, though. Exactly. Yeah, they good shit. Yeah, I like. I, I did like Bella Thorne in this. I thought she was pretty cool. Um, yeah, so so it's a bit of a mixed bag for me. You know, it, it gets points for using Duran Duran uh, and for using the the black and white footage. I liked all that. Um, but yeah, you know, let's stop giving, let's stop giving bloody, um, you know, bad guys monologues to, to spout off. You know, and I, and I keep thinking, oh, this is Tarantino's fault, and I, but then it's not because when he did uh, True Romance, it wasn't Christopher Walken's character giving the monologue. It was, um, oh, what's his face? Dennis Hopper. Dennis, Dennis Hopper. Hopper. Yeah, Dennis Hopper is the one who gives the bloody monologue. And you know, mm. thanks for it. But um, yeah, it, it's it's an annoying thing. You know, stop doing it, people. Basically. And another thing, right? This is just something I was thinking of earlier today. Mm-hmm. Has there ever been? This is this is a genuine question. Has there ever been a film in which a drug deal goes right? <laughs> you know, no cops, um... no one trying to double cross anyone, just an exchange of drugs for money, and off we go. Reservoir Dogs? 
No. <laughs> uh, Tim Roth, Tim Roth yeah, talks well, about, you know, Miss Orange talks yeah. about uh, a, a time when he when he was carrying drugs and, and bumped into a bunch of cops, but not not an actual drug deal as such. Hmm. Let me ponder if, that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I'd, I'd love to know. And in fact, I, I, you know, I think it would make a brilliant short film if you do, if you just filmed, you know, this uh, a sort of drug deal and you can make it all tense because, you, you know, you sort of you think something's going to happen, but then just let it play out and everyone just drives away at the end. <laughs> <laughs> but there you go. That's my idea, folks. You know, come see me. But there you go. Uh, scores on the doors then for Habit. Over to you, Steve. Four. Four. And Rich. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna go five. <laughs> and I'm going six. So there you go. Um a flawed film, but you know, it visually stunning, I think. So definitely check it out. Uh, a four, a five, and a six for habit. Go check it out. Our short shot this week is Ghostbusters Southside. In southern Los Angeles, a local branch of Ghostbusters are suddenly called into action. Um, so we're into fan fiction, fan fiction, fan film territory here, Rich. Yeah, not, not fan fiction. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's something completely entirely different. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, Ghostbusters Southside, I thought this was very, very good indeed. Um, Steve, what do you make of this one? Yeah, I enjoyed it actually. It was um, well done. I thought the the props and the effects were really well done. Um, I just wish it could have been a bit longer. To be fair, I just didn't think we got a good grasp of all the characters, if you know what I mean. And I thought the ending was a bit a bit abrupt as well. Um, but all in all, it was it was really good. I enjoyed mm-hmm. this. I totally agree, um, Rich. Yeah, I think the that 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 sort of the ending is probably my main gripe in that I think it feels more like a pilot, you know, mm. sort of set up than than you know. There's no satisfying resolution because there's all this build up, all this sort of world building that takes place at the start of setting up, uh, you, you know, why things are starting to happen. You know, there's a ritual taking place at the start of the film and everything. And, none of that really pays off at the end you know something starts to happen and then it kind of get not it doesn't get really resolved but you know it sort of get nips in nipped in the bud and mm. you know left open with, with kind yeah. of a, um i think yeah it's really it's really good the uh as you say the the props you know the attention to detail and all the props and everything is great there's a mm. bit where the Unfortunately, they don't get out there. They, you know, they use the proton packs and stuff at the end of the film. But there is a point where they go to. Uh, there's a misunderstanding thing, a bit like in. The, there's lots of callbacks to the original film, and uh, they do this bit where they accidentally fire the the um the you know the the, the streams uh, mm-hmm. in the in the alley. And the visual yeah. effects are spot on. They look exactly like they mm-hmm. to me. They looked exactly like they did in in the original, which I thought was really good. Uh, they've got their own. Ecto, uh, I think it's what Ecto thirteen, yeah, and it's like you know it's a perfect replica. You know, there's lots of enthusiasts out there who collect and you know restore and create these vehicles and that. So obviously that's where they've kind of got that from. But and all the other stuff as well, really great. And you know, lots of little touches. You know, the way it's shot and the cinematography and the the editing. You mm. know, this they go, you 
the establishing shots and that and they show like uh, a thing on the on the shelf saying that, that you know this was the local branch that was established on you know like a plaque established on such and such a date yeah there's another thing where they show like a picture of the old ghostbusters and whatever so this is set in a world where it's been franchised basically which was kind of always the the route that the original concept would have gone really in that you know it's kind of a working class you know rent you know uh, not rent a coast it's like a rent a kill rent a kill kind of thing you know it's just like a yeah. we've got a problem we got to yeah. but there's nothing happening so these guys you know he's really the guy who's leading them is kind of uh, uh, you know really enthusiastic but there's nothing nothing's been happening for like 16 months and they really want mm. something to happen and so they're just kind of hanging out. Uh, and the other aspect of it that's really interesting is that it's an entirely ethnic cast, which yeah. is really because considering that mm. the first one, you know, it's uh, uh, Winston Zedmore's the sort of marginalised sort of unfortunately token black member of the cast, mm. and uh, so he never really felt part part of the main team. It's kind of like he was there, but not for like the bigger scenes and stuff. So it was all about the the three white characters, and this one that you know we've got. Uh, one the, token the white guy, haven't <laughs> well, yeah. Is there even a white guy in the cast? Yeah, the, the, the large one, the, the, the guy with the, with the weird hair. Yeah, but he's Hispanic, isn't he? Okay. That's how I, I, yeah. I took him as Hispanic. <laughs> I just took so. him as the token white guy. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> yeah, because, um, and so we've got, yeah, the two main characters are the Harold brothers who kind of instigated the project. Mm. Uh, they're, they're, um, they're, they're not the directors, but they, they did write and produce it. Uh, directed by uh, Patrick Lawrence, and the uh, and there's uh, a couple of uh, female characters. Uh, the, uh, one mm. of them's uh, well, one of them's one of them's Asian, and uh, or, or both. I, I can't remember, but or is, but anyway, it's an entirely ethnic cast, which <laughs> I thought was really interesting. And you don't really pick up on it. It's it's mm. such a natural thing. I mean, I know mm. it's set in uh, uh, the sort of south side of uh, los angeles and stuff mm. so the, that's where um you know it's kind of a different uh the the, the community is much more mixed mm. uh but still i thought it worked really well i'd love to see a longer version i'd love to see a, a, a series or however they like to take it because it felt really natural it felt a really good fit and you know anyone who's you know interested in Ghostbusters and is going going to go and see Ghostbusters Afterlife and and that uh, this you know is coming out around the time that you're probably yeah. hearing this should definitely look this up. I think. I, I totally agree. Um, yeah, the aesthetic of this is is perfect. You know, the production values for as you say, you know, the props and everything, e even the uh, the music at the beginning, um, they do a very good appro approximation of you know not just the the actual sort of da -da 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 theme, but other bits as well, you know, for the establishing shots yeah. and things. Um, well, I think a lot of the music is taken from Elmer Bernstein's score. Mm. And there might be some, you know, additions and that that they've played with, but I'm pretty sure they, they've just cribbed just it, it, you know. Possibly. Just yeah, I mean, because it, it, that, that opening theme, when, when it sort of goes to the church and stuff, that, that mm -hmm. sound, it, it was... The music for the um you know that the the, uh, the brownstone building um in the first film but um it, it it sounded a little bit different you know as if it was sort of you know somebody redoing it but they, well, i think they i think it was used in the in the very opening you know with the library scene and that's kind mm. of what they were yeah. nodding to there yeah 
that sort of thing. But yeah, they, I, I thought this was really cool. I'm I'm really glad they didn't go with Slimer in this. You know, they they came up with their own um, you know apparition to, to to work with. But at the same time, it's sort of it fit with what we've seen before. You know, if it fit the mold. Mm. So so yeah, I, I thought this worked really well, and I was so annoyed when it finished. <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, so was I. Yeah. I was just like, oh, come on. You know, I just wanted a bit of resolution. But did you did you notice how the way it was shot, there was a lot of uh sort of dark. It was it was a lot of it was dark and there was reds oh, and greens. There was yes, there was. And, mm -hmm. and I was gonna mention the cinematography because because there's a scene where two of the characters are walk, walking down the stairs into the basement and it's mm -hmm. lit from behind. So all you can see is their silhouette with a sort of a light halo behind them, and it looks Absolutely superb, you know. Uh, so, yeah. so hats off to the uh, the cinematographer for this one. Any more for any more guys? Uh, no, no, uh, not really. No, apart from say um, the actor who we were saying uh, the um, you, you thought was the token white guy. His name is Aris Alvarado. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think, yep. I think perfectly he normal white name. Yep. <laughs> so uh, and yeah just to sort of touch on the um the score so i think the score itself brings a lot of production value as well as things yeah. like incorpor incorporating mm. the replica i mean that scene where the scene where the ecto 13 comes out yeah you know it's just so perfectly played i mean it looks great and then you kind of got the reveal shots and everything everything's so well timed and you know Absolutely. it's uh, so yeah. a labour of love and, and, a, and a good quality and a very, very good one. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. we don't score the shorts as usual, but we will put the link into the footnotes and we really, really recommend that you check this out. That's Ghostbusters Southside. Click the link. Our DTV throwback this week is Flight 7500. The passengers on board Flight 7500 to Tokyo find themselves beset by spooky goings-on when one of the passengers mysteriously dies. Um, okay, so I, earlier today I tweeted um, that I'm feeling a, another rant about in-media res building, and I, and I must admit I'd forgotten that ankle biters starts that way, but this did annoy me. Um, and it, sh it needn't have had, basically, because we get this in media res sort of showing a, you know, one of the sort of kind of scary slash exciting scenes from the film. Um, but what played just before that would have been a perfect in media res, as far as I'm concerned, because you get the air traffic control map kind of thing, sort of showing the airplanes, and then mm -hmm. you get the sort of the, the, the audio from you know, the, um, the tower talking to the plane. Um, that was that would have been really creepy on its own, and if it had gone from that straight into the film, I'd have been quite happy. But no, 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 we have to show something exciting because we know that the next fourteen minutes are going to be establishing the characters. But there you go, um, Rich. Over to you for your initial thoughts. Uh, I have seen this before, but the, this the, this has never been until recently, as far as I know, it's never had a proper. UK release. Mm. Uh, it's it's quite an old. I say old. It's um. It's from uh, initially it was released in America. I think in 2014, but I think it was shot in 2012, mm. and it just got basically 
buried and unreleased and and that's really surprising because it's it's directed by a very well-known director Takeshi Shimizu most yep. famous for the grudge the grudge series yeah yep and it's got a hell of a cast i mean uh, even if you just sort of look at the surface we've got um, Ryan Quanton mm-hmm. yeah favorite uh, mine yeah yep. scout taylor compton who's you know was in like halloween and stuff doing really well amy smart uh, jerry ferrera who was big in the in entourage at the time I think uh is I'm, he the yeah, dick everyone. surfer dude? Uh, no, the entourage oh. guy is the is the guy who's who's married who's just got married to the oh, to yeah. the, uh, Nikki Whelan's character. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who who's um you know sort of the snobby uh, I mean I I really liked all the character stuff in this. Mm. Uh, you know there's a lot of there's a lot of establishing the characters and getting you know developing their stories and stuff before things really kick off. And I think that all really works well. Where I think where it falls down is that the the film is the film's very short. It's about an hour and fifteen minutes before the credits yeah. kick in, mm-hmm. and it and it feels really rushed. You know, like the second half, sort of when when the, the horror stuff sort of kicks in, it's like I don't know they they cut stuff out or something, but it, it just it it all happens too quickly. You're not quite sure what's happening. And then it all gets a bit lost and then it suddenly sort of ends and then it goes, oh, actually, we've got to put like a jump scare at the end. Oh. <laughs> so they kind of tack something on at the end. And so it never, it doesn't really feel that satisfying, but it is a nicely, it's it, it's well cast, nicely shot. It does feature probably the cheapest looking stock footage of a plane taking off that, that I would have expected <laughs> to see in a, in a, what seems to be a reasonably budgeted film like this. Um, there was, it reminded me a bit of some of the, better um sort of on board kind of film i mean nikki whelan's in this and she was in left behind and this is a lot better than left behind um but there was that other film um uh what was it called had that funny name do you remember there it was all set on the plane and there was uh they thought the world was ending outside. Chariot. Chariot, yeah. I can't remember what the UK title, I think it was like the final flight or final, something final like that. Final flight, but, yeah, that sounds about right. But yeah. I got a little bit of a vibe of that, but imagine like a film like that, but with like a really strong <laughs> cast of loads of people you recognise from different TV shows and stuff. You've got Leslie Bibb, Jamie Chung, Jonathan Shakes, the pilot. Mm. It's uh, it's quite great. And uh, yeah, it's it's just a shame it kind of doesn't hold together. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, there, there are some nice beats to this. Um, mm. As you say, so some of the character stuff is pretty good. I, I absolutely hated that surfer guy. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, he's, he meant to. You know, he is the heel, basically, isn't he? Mm. Um, in this, you know, you see the the guy with the the guy who steals the watch. Yeah, the guy the guy yeah. who steals the watch. He's got a bag full mm. of stolen phones and all this sort of shit. You know, because because surfing ain't free, man. You know. It's all this sort of shit. It's, yeah. But, um, yeah, you know, some of the characters that are established just, just disappear in the film. You know, the, the, you never really sort of get to see what happens to them. Um, there, there's one bit where they walk, they literally walk into the cockpit and find, the, you know, what's happened to the, the pilots. It's like, no, no, okay. <laughs> and just wander off again. You know, no, no attempt to sort of try and reach anyone or anything like that or you know wake them up it's just like <laughs> shrug the shoulders don't know what to do now um but yeah there, there are some nice little bits i think that you know they, they made the mistake in, in a couple of places of trying to copy 
that sort of feel of the grudge. Mm-hmm. By, by saying copy, I mean slavishly, you know, copy the ideas, um, you know, hands reaching out of suitcases and that sort of thing. It's like it just doesn't work in this in this kind of film because you haven't done anything to set it up properly. Well, yeah, that's the thing. They they kind of set up a couple of you know they introduce like mm. the doll thing, but then ultimately what happens is like red, yeah, it turns is that out a red herring? Is it really that? Is it something yeah. else? I'm not really sure. It's exactly. I, I've seen it twice now, and still I'm not entire. I I still get lost in that second mm. act. It's you know that 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 second half of the film. Mm. It just doesn't. I mean, there are some really not you know some really good stuff, really nicely shot. Some you some great sort of tense scenes and stuff. You know the yeah. guy. Uh, the bit where the guy um, just starts, you know, he, I don't know, he, you know, he's having like a heart, it seems like he's having a heart attack or something, mm. but it's like much worse and, and stuff. That That's that's a really good scene and all that's the stuff good. with ho- hiding his body and, you know. The, you well, know, that was the, quite good as well because you hear, you hear his like phone call before the take off and, it, you, mm-hmm. you know, he, he does sound like a nasty piece of work, you know, you think, oh my mm-hmm. God, what the hell is this guy up to, you know, talking about gouging somebody's eyes out or something or something. Yeah. Like you know, it's very, it's very bizarre. Um, but yeah, the cast is pretty likable overall. You know, I'm a fan of Ryan Quanton, as you know. Um, so that was quite a nice surprise seeing him turn up in this. Uh, I, I was shocked to, to find out, um, you know, that it was directed by uh, Takashi Shimizu, though. Um, mm-hmm. at, the, at the same time, not, you know, having seen the film, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I can kind of see why. But you know, obviously he was wooed to Hollywood for like a movie. You know, on on the basis of the you know the Grudge, probably on on the remake of the Grudge. Yeah, I think he did. Um, did he do? He didn't. I don't think he did the third one. I think he did the first yeah. two. Yeah. And then kind of did a couple of things, but um, yeah, I think I don't know. I think what happened was they they made it, and then there was uh, a couple of air disasters right and so therefore they it got shelved for that mm. reason like for example um malaysia airlines flight 370 was um that was oh, in 2014 yeah, yeah. Disappeared, didn't it? Yeah. That's true. yeah so i think i think it was completed around you know it was going to come out mm. in t- 2014 and then i think it possibly it en- ended up coming out actually in 2016 initially i'm not 100 percent sure on these facts mm. but that's kind of i've seen i've read a a couple of little bits about saying that this might be why hmm. um, because otherwise it doesn't make any sense you know you take this you know well you know it, all these all the all the pieces are there yeah for a for a film to at least get a cursory cinema release yeah and if it bombs then get a U- yeah. uk release but this was like p- practically buried and hmm. uh I, I think undeservedly so because I, th- I still think there's a lot in there to recommend giving it an hour and fifteen minutes or whatever of your time. Yeah, I, I certainly enjoyed the twist. You know, when it when it turned up, I thought that worked really well. Um, so some nice DLs. You know, that, there was there were some sort of clues earlier on. What's you know, um, but you know, it all comes to sort of to a head at the end, and I thought it was quite nice. What I didn't enjoy, as as you pointed out, is is the stupid final scene. It's like obviously it, it's the Bloomhouse thing again. You know, I mean. Um, Bloomhouse have got this habit of ending their film with a jump scare. Even if the you know, even if the film's ended, even if it's been a happy ending or something, suddenly just before the credits, somebody goes, <gasps> you know, jump out, <laughs> you know, like sinister and things like that. So, 
it's it's something they do, um, and, it, and it's stupid. And, and and this, you know, that really did feel like a tacked on scene, um, where there were sort of you know studios turn around and go, no, no, we, we've got to end on a on a jump, got to end on a jump, you know, get the one person back who who whose fate is uncertain, and, and let's finish her off, basically, yeah. Silly, didn't need it because the film had wrapped. It it, you know, well, it, it really... it, yeah, the film was over. It didn't. Was it, it didn't really over. make any sense, did it? No, the film was already no. over, and then it no. came back. And, oh, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, bit of a damn squib ending in that, in that regard. Yeah. So they cut out the immediate res at the beginning, and if they cut out the final scene, I'd be quite happy with this. <laughs> yeah, I'd be interested to know. I mean, it probably will never happen, but I'm almost certain there must be a longer cut of this. Mm. That they they trimmed it down for some reason, but there there's, there should be at least an hour and a half version. I would I would have thought. I mean, yeah. it, just, it was just, it just seems so rushed. But anyway, it was really nice to see it again. It's it turned up on. I just found it. It was it was funny because I'd been looking for it a few days earlier, mm. and on using like Just Watch, and it's not really listed. It's not listed on there. I don't think. But I just came across it on the Roku channel, and. The but I believe it's uh, or no actually I, I think on I think it might be listed on uh, just watch I think it's on Apple TV yeah but it's uh, it's definitely free to watch on on the Roku channel so um, if anybody's got access to that it's definitely worth uh, worth a punt awesome cool so we don't score the shorts sorry do that again so we don't score the um, the DTV throwbacks but we do recommend you check them out and you'll find a link in the footnotes. And that is the end of this week's show. So thanks to Rich and Steve for joining me once more. No problems. And thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget to check out our Facebook and Twitter pages at the DTV Digest. Also check out our sister show, The Short Shots, where me and Rich take a, a focused look at some short films. So thank you for listening. Tune in next time. listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.